and one. Hello, folks. It's Bradley J. Welcome to the channel. We're going to have a lot of fun today. As, as you may know, I have Bob Allison from Suffolk University on a lot. He's a historian. He specializes in the Revolutionary War period. And he's got colleagues, friends over there. And today we speak with one of them, Genia, Genia Cherkosova, who is a philosopher and teaches a lot of courses in philosophy at Suffolk University, including the meaning of life. But other cool courses include argumentation, critical thinking and argumentation, which got me into my major in college, ethics, which is how you try to figure out the right way to act, the right decisions to make, and all the arguments on either side, which, which I find super interesting, philosophy of art, philosophy of literature, philosophy of freedom, and philosophy of art and beauty. There are other courses as well. Anyway, thank you for being with us, Jenya. It's great to be here, Bradley. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you teach a course in the meaning of life. It presupposes there is a meaning. It is a meaning. Do we have to believe there's Not a meaning at, at all? <laughs> a me meaning at all to take the course? Well, um, it does not necessarily presuppose that there is a meaning. All philosophy classes really are about, they're not about uh, what you are supposed to think. They are about the ways in which you can approach the question. So the question, the course on the meaning of life is an exploration of whether there is a meaning. So there are a lot of ways to use philosophy. For me, recently, it helps me uh, deal with adversity and it it can help a person become more become self-actualized become the person they think they should be or want to become can you explain how your courses can help that take place well the courses that immediately come to mind are existentialism and the meaning of life course, which I sometimes also call philosophy as a way of life. And uh, dealing with adversity and dealing with the givens of existence is the biggest uh, set of questions that we can actually ask. So how do courses help? Um, I think my students would, could speak to that. They all are saying that studying existentialism or studying different schools of philosophy that help you deal with things like loss and um, mortality and um, how to face difficult situation in life. Those are things that really make them think about their own values and think about the ways that they can actually develop. So, do you feel like people need to be of college age to start to understand this stuff, or is it something that you could start to teach some version of in high school because it's so important? What do you absolutely. think? Absolutely, you think yeah, you could teach yeah. it in high school? There's even a a movement now, philosophy for children, and that is a movement in the United States, but it really is. Um, Kind of a given in many other cultures so philosophy is taught um, in school in high school and middle school in europe and in latin america um, in russia so um it there's nothing abnormal about that 
there are questions that are more pronounced at different stages of our lives. So obviously the things that you talk uh, about with a teenager are not necessarily the same things that you would talk to um, right. a friend of our age. But um, you'd be surprised, actually. I um, First, I was a little apprehensive about teaching this Meaning of Life course to freshmen. But then it turned out that it's quite a, quite a rewarding experience. Well, I suppose that uh, a lot of philosophies about decisions you make and, and the, when you're living with your parents, you have fewer decisions to make. I, get, I can't remember back that far. I guess there actually were significant decisions to make. But you get a lot more decisions to make when you get on your own. So maybe it's particularly germane to the freshman who's just gets to school and, you know, has to make most decisions on their own. So there are True. schools of philosophy, uh, which which amount to uh, periods, groups of people in periods of time who have uh, usually, I think, people who devote every, you know, all day, every day, their lives to thinking about how to act, how to be, how to become self-actualized. And it, it it's helpful to pay attention to these people who've done that. That was their life. And then you, you, you get to other people who have adopted that and can, like Marcus Aurelius, emperor of Rome, emperor? Yeah. Yes. It, um, and, you know, the guy has really high pressure. There's a lot of bad stuff happening in Rome at the time he he is a emperor and he studies philosophy and uses it so he's a case of a person who wasn't just a pure studier of it, but he put it into action every day as emperor of Rome. So the way I look at it, if it's good enough for Marcus Aurelius, emperor of Rome, <laughs> it, might, it might work for me. And I also appreciate the others the the Aristotles and all who I, I picture them sitting around some area in Athens, just thinking all day and arguing all day. And there's some value to that too. So the trick is for you to figure out which of these groups might be most helpful to you, or what can I cherry pick from this group and this group or this group. And in order to do that, it, that that's why you study philosophy to know what these groups say and what might be applicable to you. And towards the end of understanding all that, you have created an online game. That's we're right. Gonna, we're <laughs> going to actually go through that. Tell me the name of the game and in your synopsis how it works. Well, it's an interactive fiction game. So you are presented with a bunch of scenarios which test your affinities with different uh, set of values. And um, I um, initially, when I came up with this idea, I asked um, friends to help me. And I would like to acknowledge that there was a whole um, team of people helping me out. Um, most notably, my colleague, Dmitry Zinoviev, who is in the computer science department, who actually coded the whole thing, and Heather Albana, who helped with the flashing out of the different scenarios of the game. Uh, as far as the philosophical content of the game, um, there are eight philosophical schools there. 
um, that judge you as you make different decisions. And by the end of the game, you um, have some something like a philosophical portrait um, of who you are and what kind of choices you tend to make and um, what um, what you see valuable, what you see not so valuable, and how you face different kind of dilemmas. And this game is really um, created for the students. So you are asked to imagine that you are a second year student and the choices are created for that audience. But the choices really are more universal. So the questions that may have to do, they seem to be um, about sports, for example, but they really are about um, competitiveness, your need to win versus your um, attitude towards playing, whether you win or not, and so on. So the questions seem to be particular, but they actually are quite universal, and we can, we can talk more about that. And just prior to coming live, I asked you a couple of questions that uh, turned out to be interesting for both of us. And uh, one is, as an adult, like an, an extreme adult, <laughs> when you play this game, you have to decide, hmm, do I answer these questions as the me I am today or the me that I kind of remember myself to be then? That's one, that's one uh, decision you have to make, which in itself is, is interesting and maybe even telling, but also students have to decide, do I answer this as the me I believe myself to be or the, or the me that I believe I should be or should become? So that that you mentioned is a key thing right, them, right there for the people, the students to consider. How do I answer this? As, exactly. And, and, and is, they, yeah. they can realize then there may be a big gap between the, the 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 they that they know they are and the they that they figure they should be. And if there's a big gap, then that could cause them mental problems. <laughs> well, I don't mean you know, a, insanity, it, but it could cause <laughs> it could cause it could cause uncomfortableness and stress and could be uh causing them problems in their life if they know if they really know they're not the person they should be. Well, actually, I think it's a very positive stress because it highlights the most important uh, distinction in ethics between what is and what ought to be. Uh, we cannot really talk about, you know, the, the world in which we want to live or the justice system unless we kind of imagine how things ought to be. And how things really are is never truly how we think they ought to be and that applies to us as well it is very useful to be in that position where you realize well i wish i were that kind of person but actually i have to admit that i am this kind of person well if i really want to be that other better person what do i need to do so this one thing wonderful about your courses is that 
what you learn can be used whatever you do in your life. And I found that to be true of any philosophical study that I have undertaken. Regardless of where you go, these tools will, will be things you can use forever. And I can see why your courses are so popular. Are you ready to play the game? We're gonna take we're gonna take a look at this thing. I'm gonna screen share. I've I have brought up a starting point in the game, and we're gonna kind of go through this together. Can you all see this? This is one, uh, an interface that you come up with early on, and I'll explain it briefly as I understand it. You can tell me where I'm wrong, but we're presented. But well, it's, as it says, we're a traveler in the ocean of life. It gives us situations, kind of real-life situations students might encounter because it's forced, because students are the people that use this most. And there's a nautical theme, and some of the there are key phrases and things to talk about. First, there's the wind rose, and there are uh, sigils. Is that how you say it? And the bottles with messages in it from the schools of philosophy, and a treasure chest. Can you put together what we see here? I guess talk about the windrows and how that factors in. Well, the windrows is, uh, I think, is an interesting imagery because um, generally the windrows is a nautical device, right? It uh, allows the sailors to know from, you know, from where the wind is coming and how strong it is. So the windrows uh, in this game features eight different philosophical schools, the Epicureans, the Stoics, uh, the Buddhists, Taoists, Pessimists, Existentialists, um, Humanists, and the classical Greek philosophers, which you know I put under the umbrella of um, Aristotelian um, uh, teaching. So um, as you make your choices, this windrows, starts to show some color. Um, and that tells you which school um, approves of your choice and which school does not. Okay. So a windrose, meteorologically speaking, is a map that shows you from which way the wind blows. And It's like a compass. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, it's a map. and so you see the compass and you see if there's more color pointing in one direction, which you'll see later, that means the wind is coming from that direction. And in this case, the direction equals a uh, school of philosophical thought. Yes. And as, as we make our decisions on what to do in certain situations, you'll see the direction change. Oh, you're leaning a little towards the Northwest or the Stoics. And let's, I guess the best way to do it is to forge ahead here. So right, the, and, the, and Bradley, you just mentioned the northwest or the east, and uh, if you look at the sigils, they actually are situated um, depending on their own affinities. So the Stoics are close to Buddhists for a reason, but you can also see the west and the east quite, you know, quite clearly. The western schools are in the west and the eastern oh, are in the east oh, oh, well, and you, then more of uh, up and down um the highest one is the epicureans happiness pleasure appreciation of life and the lowest one pessimists oh that, exact... that took that took some thought now sigils really are icons 
And right, each there's an icon for each other schools of thought. So let's forge forward and play the game. Yeah, the story opens second year of college, not yet picked a major. Decisions to come soon. You've always loved art. Perhaps that will love will influence your choices. And you're an athlete of significant skill, which is a stretch, but I'll forge forward. All right, here's our first, here's our first dilemma. Athletic field, soccer team. First time your school's made it to the semifinals. If you win this game, you get into the finals. And you got to make this shot. Right. And, and, and um, I think part of that uh, situation, uh, part of the um, meaning of this situation is also that you are being pressured by your coach. So you you feel kind of the um, the weight of, of the situation on your shoulders. How do you approach this? And this could apply to other situations, not necessarily uh, on the athletic field. So you have four choices. One, we're going to tear them apart. You're super confident. The other one is, how could I possibly screw this up? I'm the best player. Oh, even more confident in yourself. The first one, you're kind of confident on the team. The next one, in yourself. The next one is, ah, this isn't really for me. I don't need this pressure. I'll play the game. I don't really care about it. And then win or lose. Today, like always, I'll play the soccer for the joy of it. So what you do is you choose depending on how you would tend to approach this, I guess you answer based on what you think the right answer is or what you think, or, or, or the real you. And I suppose if you're really going to get the most out of the game, you answer as the real you, correct? That's yeah. Yes, All right. exactly. You shouldn't. Oh, let me ask you, Bradley, are you a competitive person? You know what? I don't think so. Uh, if, if I were, I'd probably be further along in life and less happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here we go. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not, you know, I'm win-lose today like always. I'll play for the joy of it. Correct. That's yep. me. And that's in you. my career in radio, there are other people that paid attention to, oh, all the jobs open and, and really were competitive. And they, I just I had fun. I said, wow, this is great. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to screw it up. I'm 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 going to pay attention to business and just enjoy this. So I'll answer. Win or lose, I always play for the joy of it. Oh, look at what happens. We get a message in a bottle from. Let's click on it and see. Oh, it's it's uh, this. I guess is it's a, a Taoist. It's a Taoist symbol. So you get um, a message from Laozi. Who commands you on your choice? <laughs> so, and I get this uh, message from him because of my choice. If I'd chosen a different answer, I would have gotten a different message, right? Yes. Well, you know, the messages sometimes, most most of the time, you get the messages from the schools that really approve of your choice. But I every see. once in a while, you can get a message from someone who disapproves of your choice, and you have to read the message to know what, <laughs> what it is. So some other school might think differently about my choice. And this one, this is interesting. Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu that's how you say it, correct? Yes, Lao Tzu. The best uh, players embody the spirit of non-competition. Which is kind there of, we go. <laughs> which, which is kind of, uh, which is not intuitive. Not that they don't love to compete, but they do it in the spirit of play. 
Yeah. yeah. And I feel I very fortunate. I feel real fortunate about that thing in me because I'm generally a happy person. And I feel like that's one of the major reasons. I think right. uh, you get too competitive. It's there's something going on. There's something wrong. Your father was pressured you too much or something. Okay. So we're going to archive this and move on. And you can, uh, we have to get the folks the link to this so they can play it on their own because it's cool. Uh, we have, uh, so now we've progressed, right? Yes. To so a new what situation. Happened? Did you win? Uh, let's see. It just says you keep your eyes open for scoring opportunity, passing the ball to a teammate. Right. I want to win. I want my teammates to say, you're awesome. That's really my, my goal. <laughs> but the other team plays well. Do, 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 do. The game will go into overtime. If your team doesn't manage a, a goal right now, you're, you're going to lose. They pass the ball to me. I kick and I score. So and you score. <laughs> okay. So, oh God, how am I going to deal with this? Let's see. We have another choice coming up. All right. I score. My teammates jump on me. Coach smiles. Nice job. I emerge. Uh, you know, I'm. A, everybody loves me. And that has happened, by the way. The, the surrounding crowd is cheering. How do you handle your fame? All right. About time they noticed me. I'm the star. Or I'm glad the team won. All our hard training paid off. Nah, I'm not that altruistic either. I just <laughs> remain calm. And, and, you know, I know this is just a moment. It could have gone the other way. But I'm going to embrace it. Absolutely, that's an easy one for me. I'll take that one. I move forward yes. and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Okay. Modest in victory, graceful in defeat. My man, Marcus Aurelius. That's right. Your man. Exactly. Yeah, Marcus right. Aurelius. Marcus knew really well what that actually means, as you pointed out earlier, because his life was not easy, even though he was an emperor. And, um, yeah. Do people, are people allowed to audit your course? And, like, what... How does that go? How does how does auditing work? I feel like sitting in the back room, back of the class in your room, just listening would be cool. It used to be absolutely allowed, and I would love to have people to um, audit the course. Uh, my people who graduated from Suffolk would come, you know, alums and friends. But then universities became a little bit more um, strict about that. Somehow, um, I am not happy about the formalities that we now have to face. But if you're interested, I'll make it happen. <laughs> okay. So, folks, I think we've – I don't want to go and play the whole game for you. I want you to play it. I think it's the coolest thing. And any, any understanding, any self-understanding you can arrive at it, through any means is extremely valuable and this game is very cool. Also, personally, I recommend YouTube's. It depend One thing the pandemic did for me is I don't watch television at all. I cannot stand commercials. I I'm, YouTube's good because if you even if you don't get the paid version and there's a commercial, usually you can click it right off. And why spend your time looking at stupid TV when you can spend time making your life better? My my life was gen genuinely improved by stuff I learned on YouTube during this pandemic, especially the philosophy. And I'm happy to give you some links. So let's let's uh, move on a bit here. 
I have personal questions. I'm going to take advantage of of your expertise and talk about the particular thing that I spent, I stumbled on was stoicism. There are, first of all, what are the main, you mentioned them briefly, the, the, the icons in your game represent the main schools of thought. And I know it's difficult, but you're a pro, you can do it. Each of these main, what, nine, with one sentence about kind of what they say. Oh, I know, but this is a challenge, but I know you're up okay, to it. It's, um, okay, let me take the challenge. So let's start with Epicureans. Um, probably the most misunderstood, misrepresented school of philosophy, because everyone thinks that Epicureans just say that you eat, drink, and be merry. Right, it's but like food. Those are the foodies. Food. That's the foodie thing, exactly. Um, but it's much more subtle, and it focuses on simple pleasures and how to live life in accordance with nature and be able to live in such a way that you do not disturb yourself or others. In a sense. Okay, keep a small footprint. Um, Next. Right. Uh, the Stoics. The Stoics are um, actually experiencing a, a huge renaissance right now. There are books about Stoics and so on. They basically say you need to understand what is within your control and what is not. And most of life is not within your control. What is within your control is your own attitude, what's going on within you. And you really need to pay attention to that because otherwise you will be, um, uh, you will be the, the, the slave of circumstances and the slave of other people. Unless you can you really, yeah. You can really waste your life worrying about stuff you can't have any control over. Worrying about Absolutely. that doctor's appointment, worrying about what someone thought of you. And I'm telling you, folks, it's emancipating. If you, it's kind of like a muscle. You have to flex it and you, you you practice it. Just do not allow stuff, or try not to allow stuff that you have not, no control over to take any time in your mind. Okay, who's next? Um. The Buddhists, most people know something about the Buddhists. Um, Pretty depressing, kind of, to me. Life uh, is suffering, you know, at least in my very limited right. knowledge of it, it's kind of a bummer. It's It really is not depressing. It's actually quite um, illuminating and uh, liberating. But, yes, it starts with the premise that life is suffering, but um, that is not a, an exactly correct translation. It points out that life is full of some sort of dissatisfaction or life is kind of out of joint, you know? And so you need to be able to deal with that. And you will definitely deal with that. And unless you're prepared you um you will be smitten by the disappointments in how, life. Do, how do you prepare how do you deal with it you 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 give up don't you no no you don't um the middle path so you try to pay attention again and that's why you can see that the stoics and the buddhists are pretty close to um in this windrows in the game and that is because they both say that you need to pay attention to the way you think about life and that the quality of your thoughts determine the quality of your life. 
Oh, all right. Yes. And so, no, it's not about despair. It's not about giving up. It's actually about paying attention to the way you sabotage yourself. Okay. Uh, you're doing a great job. We've already burned through three of them. Let's do a few, let's do a few more. The Taoists. Okay, the Taoists, and you can see the yin and yang together, and the Taoists are pretty close to the, to the Buddhists uh, for many different reasons. How should I summarize the Taoists? The Taoists emphasize the need to let go and the need to be able to um, go with the flow of life and live in accordance with nature. I... Someone asked me this question, and it had there was a situation, and they asked me to compare how the Stoics or the Taoists would deal with it, and it, it it turned up that their interpretation of it seemed that the Taoists say it's okay to not be productive, to okay just to lay around. Absolutely. <laughs> Whereas the Stoics say they they're kind of a business like group, and you should strive. Taoists are you don't need to strive so much, just chill. Correct. That's right. And the Stoics really, for them, social responsibility and uh, your contribution to the world is very important. For example, the whole idea of cosmopolitanism, being the citizen of the world, it's a Stoic notion. They were really big on being cosmopolitans. But the Taoists are saying the world is what it is. No matter what you do, you don't have any particular duty to improve anything. You, you, yeah, chill. <laughs> okay. We only have like, I don't know, do, do like three more. All right. Um, I'll skip the pessimists because it's not really a philosophical school. It's just an attitude towards life represented by a few people like um, Arthur Schopenhauer. And I'll go to the existentialists. The existentialists basically say no excuses. Your life is up to you. You find meaning in life. You uh, you act and you take responsibility for your actions. The world doesn't owe you anything. Uh, there is no cosmic justice or meaning. You are here on Earth to to create that meaning and justice, if you want. Then we have the humanists represented uh, here by the. Leonardo's a great Truvian man. And I think all as, as Western thinkers, we know what humanists are stand, what they stand for. It's a great movement that glorifies human achievement, technology, art, great things that we humans are capable of. And uh, it's very, very positive. You know? If I may... It, Go ahead. One thing that bothers me about the humanists is they just believe that the humans are uh, at the center of the universe. It's too much at the center. All, right. Rather than just another animal that happens to be smarter and self-aware, they're kind of, they kind of strike me as the humans were put on everything else was put on this earth for the humans. And that rubs me That's the wrong way. That's right. Yes. It that rubs me the wrong way. It is anthropocentric, and the, the uh, one of the main ideas is also that you know we are here to conquer nature, you know. Yeah, well, exactly. We, I read we all know where it you know brought us in the twenty first century. All right, let's finish up with the pessimists. Oh, the pessimists. <laughs> the pessimists. Um, 
they basically say that life is not worth living. So here's your one sentence thing. Is there? It's not know, a what, business worth investing but, into. <laughs> so does that provide comfort to the pessimists? Is that how that works? Just give up now and and relax? It actually uh, provides some comfort if you look at uh, the discrepancy between your expectations and the way your life turns out to be. So if you're a pessimist and you don't right. expect anything, everything's already broken, everything already sucks, yeah. then you may you know, end up being quite content. Well, yeah, early on in my life, one of the keys to my happiness happened to be, I guess, pessimistic because I used to say half jokingly and half not jokingly, the key to happiness is to set the bar low. Just set the bar low and you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And and I and I have done that and it's true. So maybe I'm a little bit of a pessimist. Before we wrap up. Philosophical pessimist. You have to you have to remember that there is a difference between being philosophically a pessimist and, and not, being uh, right, you know the pop culture pessimist. Right. Okay. Francis Bacon, I'm going to take advantage of your expertise to ask you a question. I always wonder about, here we go. Are you ready? You know where I'm going since I say Francis Bacon. A little philosophy makes men atheists, though a great deal would cure them of atheism. In other words, you study philosophy in the beginning, you think, there's no God. And then you study a lot and you think, whoa, there is a God. So here's, <laughs> where I, here's kind of where I'm at. And that is, it's equally... Impl either either option is equally implausible. That just impossible, really, to you know understand a creator, and it's also impossible to understand a world where there was no creator. So why not, since each is equally impossible, just go with the option that provides comfort? Huh. What is it, what? What? You don't have to answer that now. We can save that. Is is that a? No, it's is, a great is question. That, is that it's a, a wrong way question. to go? Since there's no evidence either way, and right, one provides comfort, and one's pretty cold. Why not? You know, why not go with the one that has comfort, even even if it just has ritual that provides comfort? You know, that that's where I'm at. Maybe more than you want to answer now, but you can think of it for next time. Hmm. Um, it's a great question, actually. Uh, first of all, philosophy is not there to provide comfort. Philosophy is um, actually something that teaches you how to be uncomfortable in a productive way, I guess. Um, so great ideas are not really comfortable. They are meant to shake you up. So, but that said, it's true that the more you study philosophy or think about life in general, you appreciate more the complexity and the depths and the incomprehensibility of existence. And that may bring you to God. Not everyone goes that way, but I can see what Bacon is talking about. Right. So uh, does, does he, how does that process work? You, you must see it over and over in, in your field, newbies, say no way there's a god but then people that really really embrace it start some of them start to go that way or what happens to make actually, them what, what do they see in their studies that makes them change direction is my question 
Oh, that's a great question. But, you know, what I see is that it actually goes both ways. You know, when um, something really horrific happens, people who are believers all of a sudden have a crisis of faith. And they say, oh, my God, how could I believe that there is this great creator when there's so much evil in the world? Um, same thing happens. Someone who never believed in God all of a sudden starts believing in God because <laughs> they thought that their life uh, and their world was cold and meaningless before. And now that this tragedy strikes, that they, they need um, a foundation spiritual foundation in their lives. So it can go either way. What do people um, discover that makes them change or have a crisis of meaning or crisis of faith? Usually it's, it's something that happens in their life that uh, fundamentally shakes them and shakes the, the, the values that they used to take for granted. Okay. Now, we, we said we we're going to go a half an hour. It's 36 minutes. Before we go, and I, I promised that I would talk about you at some point, and this would be that point. Tell me oh, how you... I'd love... To, I need to know. you. I, I think it's <laughs> super interesting that you went to the University of Moscow. I, I, I love that. And I'd like to know about your young life and how you came to be where you are now in any any version that you care to give me? Oh. I was uh, I was born in the Soviet Union and um, I was um, I started my education at a exactly Moscow State University. That's a very famous university, my alma mater. I'm still in love with that place. Um, and I studied mathematics. Um, then around the time I was, yeah, the Soviet Union pretty much started to collapse or started to go while I was a student. So that was a very exciting time. Um, the time when we would go up in the streets and um, dismantle some, you know, old monuments, <laughs> something familiar to um, the new generation here. Um, and when everything uh, was dismantled in, uh, in the life as we knew it at the time, it was pretty much possible to do whatever you want with your life. And the Iron Curtain was up and, you know, you, you could do anything. So a lot of people changed we call it change careers, but it was not really about careers. It was about your um, path in life. So very short version, I was always interested in philosophy. And the United States is the only country where you could go to grad school and study something that you did not study as an undergraduate. Really? <laughs> you cannot do this in Russia. You cannot do this in, uh, in Europe. If you studied mathematics or physics or something, this is what you know, and you cannot really jump into grad school, master's level, or you know, much less uh, uh, doctoral level study in a different discipline. But in the United States, you can do that if you if you are successful as uh, um, if you can show that. Um, you have 
the brains to do what what it takes <laughs> to do it um and that's great it's very it's a it's a wonderful thing so i i came here to study philosophy and i did not mean to um i, I don't know it was just an experiment um because you uh, loved it that's why you did it you, you followed your heart, passion as they say it's cliche, right. cliche but true i guess yeah well suffolk university is way better off for having found you they are very fortunate to have you and so i'm very fortunate to have had you today on this program thank you so much and i would love it if we could figure out uh, from time to time uh, a way to drill down on various subjects we've we really i think have done a pretty good overview today and we could talk about any of those cool looking courses that you teach uh, we'll talk about that later but thank you so Thank you, so, Bradley. Thank super, you for having very, me. Very, very much. Jenya uh, Cherkosova. Did I get it right? Almost. Cherkosova. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank Great. you. And thanks to thanks to Bob Allison for uh, turning me on to you. And I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Talk to you, Bradley. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.